From early in the morning till late at night, we are attached to our smartphones. And as success and technology try to outpace each other, we're facing burnout and peak exhaustion. But what if yours was a business that valued rest, personal time, and fostered a sleep culture? How would it impact staff and overall productivity? From Sound Cartel, I'm Nicole Goodman, and this is Business Essentials Daily. Thea O'Connor is a sleep expert. She writes and speaks about it. She knows all the statistics and she helps us think about our own sleep habits and why they're so important for our health in running our businesses. The other aspect is encouraging good sleep habits among those who work for us and our expectations of others can have quite an impact. For example, do you expect your employees to take work-related phone calls from you at night? Or maybe a conference call at a time that might suit you, but not them if they're in another time zone. So Heather Dawson asks Thea, what do we know about lack of sleep and the cost of it all in the workplace? About 40% of Australians actually get inadequate sleep. So that's a really sizable chunk of the population missing out on arguably the most foundational of all health behaviours. That's a, um, according to a report, a sleep on the job that was conducted by the Sleep Health Foundation and uh, Deloitte Access Economics. So it was quite a thorough analysis. When it comes to working out, well, what is inadequate sleep? The tendency is to actually look not so much at the number of hours that you slept, but how sleepy are you the next day? So if you go to bed and you wake up unrefreshed, there was something wrong with that sleep. Either you didn't get enough of it or the quality wasn't so good. Well, some people say, you know, it should be eight hours a night. But, um, you know, then there's Maggie Thatcher, for example, or Winston yes. Churchill, and they had you know, three hours of sleep a night. So um, what does that mean? Yeah, well, first of all, looking at number of hours, there is a large variation between individuals, how much we need. Between six and nine hours is associated with better health. Less than that and more than that, you start to see an increased risk of a whole range of different health conditions, even early death. So there is that range, six to nine hours, pretty well supported by research. Probably most of us need about that seven to eight hours. But yes, how about the Maggie Thatchers and the the Winston Churchills? Well, what's really important to know about them is that they were also very proficient nappers. Winston Churchill was famous for taking off all of his clothes late afternoon getting into bed for a good one or two hours, and that gave him his second day, he would call it. So it's important to know that. And I don't know about you, but I think in the past, we did tend to be in awe of people like Maggie Thatcher, the Iron Lady, you know, how amazing that she can get by on so little. But I think we're just starting to see a change in in attitude. Do you remember when Donald Trump did that tweet, that unintelligible tweet after midnight? Mm-hmm. I think it was Coffee Fair or something. And it prompted this huge global discussion about, well, what's he doing up so late when he's meant to be leading the world? Carrie Lam, head of Hong Kong, in one interview, she did say, yes, look, sometimes I only get three hours sleep a night. On a good night, it might be five. And that was followed by headlines saying, Carrie Lam needs to get more sleep for the sake of Hong Kong. (laughs) So, and I think that's a healthy shift in attitude, challenging leaders' sleepless ways. Well, what causes inadequate sleep? 
If you take that 40% of Australians who don't get enough and break that down a bit, about 6% is due to a medical sleep disorder. About another 13% are due to other health conditions that can make you really tired, such as depression. And then you're left with quite a sizable chunk, 20%, which is due to not a medical condition or a sleep disorder, but just other lifestyle factors or behaviours. Could be partying too hard, could be a job that means you're not getting enough sleep, but it also probably refers to all of those lifestyle habits that are really common that disrupt sleep. I'm talking caffeine, too much you know, screens at, at night time. Our exposure to artificial stimulation is so much higher these days. So in a way, you could think of that 20% due to lifestyle choices, kind of like the low-hanging fruit, because they are some things that we can influence to get better or more sleep. Okay. Now, Thea, um, you talk about Donald Trump or Carrie Lamb, but what's the impact of the lack of sleep for people in leadership positions? You know, they can have to make important decisions during the day or even the way they communicate with people, for example. So leaders can be a vulnerable group when it comes to sleep because of the demands, you know, travel, expectation to be on 24-7 and to be seen to be holding it all together. But they do need to be really careful to protect against white collar fatigue because it can undermine key leadership capabilities. For example, we know that making good judgment calls and decisions are really important for leaders. And interestingly, the part of the brain that's most affected by tiredness is the prefrontal cortex, and that's the bit that does all of that higher order decision making. So we see that tired people are less able to make more complex decisions that requires lateral thinking. So you'd be aware today business leaders are expected to solve complex problems. That's one of their biggest challenges. A tired brain literally can't do that. I understand that it can even impact on your sense of uh, integrity, even your moral code. Yes, there's been some interesting research conducted by Christopher Barnes. He's from the US. And he found that even small amounts of sleep loss leads to an increase in unethical behaviour in the workplace. And the explanation is that in order to stick to your values, you need some self-control. And the more tired we become, that depletes our self-control bucket. So it just becomes harder to resist temptation. So I love one of his quotes, and he says that you know, fatigue is the enemy of virtue. And good, but tired people can do bad things. What's your advice to people who regularly lie awake at night um, or wake up in the middle of the night, worrying about work perhaps, worrying about all sorts of other things, worrying about the fact that they can't sleep? Mm -hmm. So the first most important thing is you do not want to create an association between your bed and sleeplessness. You don't want to associate your bed with tension, worry, stressing, tossing and turning. So if you are not able to just lie there and relax and perhaps just tell yourself at least I'm resting and perhaps do a little meditation, if you can't do that, it's far better to get up, go to another room, perhaps do some journaling, read a book until the next wave of tiredness comes and probably... Well, the people I know who've had trouble with insomnia say, stop watching the clock. It just stresses you out. <laughs> well, to help us all, Thea, you've listed six ways that we can all achieve better sleep. Could you just run through the list a little bit for us? I will, but I, I'm actually going to start with one that actually hardly ever gets mentioned. And that is a good night's sleep starts with how you live your day. And sleep specialists really look into this. They want to know how much, it's called hyperarousal, you might be experiencing 
during your day. And that just means how wired are you? How high are your stress levels? Because you can't just diffuse all of that in the half an hour before bed. So the best way to get a good night's sleep is actually not just to relax before bed, but try to live your day in a more calm, relaxed manner. Insert some more pauses and commas into your day. So that's my first one. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And some of the other ones that people will be familiar with, but it's really important to stop and check, am I actually doing this? Regularity of bedtime is really important. And some studies have shown that regularity is even more important than number of hours slept when it comes to things like mental health. So think of yourself like a baby. You know, think of all the routines you put your little one through. Treat yourself the same way. That's really going to help. Regulating our exposure to light is as important as, you know, nutrition, exercise. So as much daylight, natural daylight during the day as possible, and at nighttime, as much darkness as possible. Darkness is an essential resource for life on Earth, and we're totally forgetting that. There's alcohol and caffeine. Both disrupt sleep. Alcohol will be likely to disrupt the second half of your sleep. It interferes with what's called REM or rapid eye movement sleep. So it'll help you conk out, but your second half of the night will be far more tossing and turning. People know already that caffeine does not help you get to sleep and also results in less deep sleep. And also just bear in mind that it can take 24 hours to get caffeine out of your system. So if you're drinking more than one cup a day, your nervous system might never really fully come to rest. So you could look at that. Physical activity is one of the best cures for poor sleep. Physically active people have better sleep. So just don't do it too close to bedtime because that makes your body temperature go up and your body needs to cool down. Everyone knows the switch off recommendation to get an hour screen free time before bed, but no one's doing it. Well, my data on workplace people shows probably about 5% of people actually do that. So there's a massive opportunity because it does interfere with your sleepiness hormone melatonin being released. Even if you can't have an hour screen free time, just try 30 minutes. Look at what you're eating for dinner, not too much, not too late. And check out what you're having for desserts because higher sugar diets are associated with waking up more often. So there's some things that people can reflect on. And, and if you do that, you'll see that there are normally quite a few opportunities to improve your sleep quality. Okay, well, final question here for the diehard non-sleepers who've possibly tried one or two or all of these and it still doesn't work. Yes. What's the next step? Well, I would be asking for a referral to a sleep specialist, people who spend all their days specialising in this. If you're in an area where that isn't possible, you might like to try some of the online programs that are evidence-based or at least very good quality. So there's one Australian one called This Way Up, and that's easy to find on the internet. And there's another one called Sleepio that was developed by Professor Colin Espy, who's a bit of a guru in this area. So there's a bit of online help available as well if you can't see a specialist in this area. That was Productivity and Wellness Advisor, Thea O'Connor. Business Essentials Daily is a Sound Cartel podcast. Executive produced by Heather Dawson. Produced by Nick Schildberger, Chris Ashmore and myself. Technical production by Pete Letts and Belinda Trimboli. I'm Nicole Goodman. Thanks for listening. We'll bring you more B Daily next week. Sound.